Walgreens, welcome to The Dividing Line. It is uh, Advent season, and uh, I've had a very, very, very busy day. And we're just sneaking a program in here um, on a Thursday. Don't know what next week's going to look like. Uh, you know how next week is. It gets busy. My wife needs to make nuts and bolts. You know what nuts and bolts is? That's Chex Mix. I need to convince her to start putting the uh, the peanuts back in. She's she's given up on the peanuts. But um, my again, my mom had this great recipe for Chex Mix. It's better than the stuff you buy in the store. It really is by a long shot. But I, what I don't understand is it's not all that good the first day. I mean, once you get done with it's the next day, it's got a. How does that even? I don't even know how that works. That's. Well, it's soaked in, and there is a lot of butter. Oh, my. That, that makes it keto, right? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, everybody's going, mm-hmm. And my wife now makes it really, really well. It's, it's great stuff. Um, I hold in my hand, Rich gave this to me, the December 2022 edition of the Salt Lake City Messenger. Now, I don't know when we started getting this. Um, I really don't, uh, Utah lighthouse ministry PO box 1884. That's been the same for decades and decades now, Gerald and Sandra Tanner, Gerald went to be with the Lord a number of years ago and, um, Sandra, um, announced her retirement a few weeks ago. Effective March 1st of 2023, so just a matter of weeks from now. And so the Utah Lighthouse Ministry Bookstore. Now, you weren't, you were not um, on that first trip. That was me, Start Wagner, Dave Wagner. Uh, he was, I thought he was in the, the television ministry with me. I thought it was. Who else? Well, Mike, Dave Warner, Dave Warner. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Dave Warner, me and Mike, wasn't it? I can't remember. That was a long time ago. Um, that was 84-ish, around 84-ish. That was before your time. Barely. It was. Oh, that's interesting. Rich said that he had run into Dave Warner at the McDonald's he worked at. And David told him about what happened because that wasn't an easy trip for Dave. Um, oh, he was he was a little shell shocked. Yeah, we tried to we tried to do. Tri- so this is we were kids. OK, Um when we started this ministry, we were kids and um, we just wanted to go witness to Mormons in Salt Lake City. We heard about the general conference and so we borrowed um, Alan Willis's car. I can't believe he let us do that. Um, and we drove through the night. We left Friday afternoon, I think after Dave got off work or something. Yeah, that's right. We drove through the night to Saturday morning. And the whole reason for this is we went to 
Gerald and Santa Tanner's house, 1350 Southwest Temple. It's not on here, but I remember that. That's where the bookstore was, 1350 Southwest Temple in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we showered and changed clothes in the basement so we could spend all day passing out tracks at the general conference. And then we drove home that night. Do you have any idea how dangerous and stupid that was? No, no, we would go up. No, but, but we, no, we didn't do it. We never did it that way again. We would drive up um, and stay the night, Friday night. See, right. we drove the, through well, the night. You and Mike would. But for a number of years after I got involved, um, either Mike would spearhead for the first couple of years. Mike was down here. You were already up there, and we'd all drive all night long. You'd have, um, but then a, we'd stay the night. We didn't drive back. Oh, we did. Wow, that was for really a while. Dumb. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Because we had to work, and yeah, yeah. You know, well, I mean, I, yeah. that I got off work. Hours like, without sleep is just stupidity. Yeah. Um, Lord, the Lord protected us big time. And, um, but yeah, Dave, we trained Dave. This is not how to do it. Okay. Learn from our mistakes. We all the way up. We're trying to train Dave on Mormonism. That's, that's a crash course. And it did not take very long. And we weren't even at the South gate. We were at the North gate. I remember Dave going, James, and he is, he is surrounded. He is, his back is against one of the pillars of the gate. He is surrounded by hungry Mormons. And uh, I waited in there and, uh, and Dave was in my back pocket the rest of the day. And uh, I, I just, wow. Uh, but that first time up, um, Gerald and Sandra let us um, get changed in their, in their basement and, and go out and do our, do our witnessing. And um, that's what started it all. I mean, we did that for years and years and years. Eventually, we figured out how to do it more safely. Uh, you know, you spend the night before at the Hotel Six, Motel Six. We stayed at two different Motel Sixes. There's one up on out near the airport and then one downtown. And um, and then, you know, would stay that night. You know, so you'd, you'd, you'd drive with acceptable amount of sleep. It's much more, much safer that way. Uh, but yeah, get it in now or I'm going to, because, so the point being that I should have grabbed my copy of Mormonism, Shadow Reality. Um, but everyone, almost everyone who has done anything in the field of witnessing the Mormons from the 1970s onward has been dependent for so much of their research and so much of their material and so much of their, you know, look at this source, look at that source, put these things together. Uh, upon Gerald and Sandra Tanner, and of course, you know, after Gerald's passing on Sandra Tanner, she has undoubtedly driven many people in the church to utter distraction. Uh, I remember so clearly during the White Salamander letter debacle, um, we were saved from having egg on our face. Because we, you know, everybody, everybody was jumping on it. Everybody was going, oh, see here, 
here's evidence of Joseph Smith, you know, blah, 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 you know, forgeries and all the rest of this stuff. And in the middle of all of it, there's Gerald and Sandra going, we don't think this, this, this stinks. This, we don't think this is real. And you would think if anyone would just jump on something, um, a lot of you don't know what the white sound, um, Mark Hoffman, man, we are going, what, what years were, that was in the eighties at some point, forget what year it was. Um, but you, you may have seen, I know that Kelly saw a, um, thing on online somewhere that was about the more, I think it was called the Mormon murders or whatever it was up there or something like that. It was the Mark Hoffman story. And for those of you who are too young to know about all this stuff, um, Mark Hoffman was turned out to be a forger, um, a very good forger who even fooled the LDS church. And then when people started to find out about it, he used nail bombs to kill, I think, at least two people. And then was going to deliver another one when it went off under his seat. <laughs> um, and so he was exposed. And, you know, the church had egg on its face because it had believed that these documents were real. But there have been a lot of other folks, a lot of big ministries. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. They they had given this guy money in the whole nine yards. And, but the Tanners had just gone, something wrong with this. There's something wrong with it. We don't believe it. And they went against the flow even though the church had accepted the LDS church had accepted it and all the big ministries, um, Ed Decker, uh, all these guys are, are going, Hey, wow. And pushing it. And they're like, Nope. And we just went, uh, we ain't smart enough to know for ourselves. We ain't up there. And if Gerald and Sandra Tanner aren't sold, we're not running with it either. And so, in all those things, um, you know, the, the Tanners have always shown themselves to be really focused upon what the real issue was and just desirous of being available to help Mormons come to know the truth when they start realizing that all is not well. But there just wasn't anything like them before them. And books like Mormonism, Shout Reality, Moody picked that up and called it, the, uh, published it under the, the title The Changing World of Mormonism. It was an abbreviated version, I assure you. And it wasn't easy reading their stuff for years and years. I mean, I remember the first time we visited, I don't, they would, I don't know what the, the type of binding was. There's, they're, all, they're over here on the, on the shelf here. Grab, grab. No, well, okay, if you've got some out there too, but mine are right here in, in the office here. I don't know what the kind of binding was called. It, it wasn't the most expensive thing in the world, but literally they would have rooms with these shelves built up. And uh, you, you'd, you'd pull... I was just putting this away the other day. So there's, okay, yeah, there's, there, there's the white salamander letter. Uh, Wally Tope. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wally Tope's on the front lines witnessing Mormons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but this is this is what I need right here. Um, yes. And then is there, is there a copy of uh, of Shadow Reality in there? 
If not, like I said, that's is, that's that's a religion manual. Um, right around the corner. Oh, my my door's not open. But right around the corner, in my office, you will be able to find Shadow Reality. Trust me. No, yeah, but trust me, the door's not open. But okay, sorry. Here's here is one of the more extremely useful. See see how they do. These are just photocopied, two-sided photocopy. Well, no, they're one-sided. Oh my goodness, they're one-sided photocopied pages. And I don't know what don't, don't know what you call this this type of binding, but a clear plastic um, cover and a cardboard cover on the back. And for years and years and years, they would. And, and look look how big this book is. Do, do you have any idea? The, the amount of work to, to, to just put one of these together. And that's how they did it. They, they, they lived on a shoestring. They, they sacrificed. Um, it would be on the wall, this wall facing me or on wherever. Um, this is called 3,913 changes in book of Mormon. Uh, so it was all the, do you know how long that took just to do the the amount of time and effort and dedication um, that the the tanners put in uh, is such an incredible testimony to their love for the LDS people. They're both former Mormons, so their their families were LDS, and and um, I don't know how many people they themselves saw come out of the LDS church. But they have to realize that so many others, you know, we've seen lots of people leave the LDS church and we were dependent upon them and their information uh, in so, so many ways. And so to see an era coming to an end, um, there in Salt Lake City is, um, it's not sad in any way. Um, it is, uh, and they're, they're doing a big closeout sale. So if you're in the area, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some, just some incredible uh, materials available. But um, tremendous thanks to Gerald and Sandra Tanner and to Sandra, who is still living and is retiring. Uh, I'm sure she'll still be doing some speaking and, and things like that, but running the bookstore and, and uh, you know, meeting people and stuff like that. She's just decided that uh, the too many years have gone by to be able to continue to it on a regular, regular basis. And so that's a, that's a big thing. You can't, cannot find. Shav- oh, well, <laughs> I, I know where it is. Um, <laughs> I know where it is, but you know what I mean. Um, our our highest accolades and thanks <coughs> to Sandra Tanner. I did, of course, get to meet Gerald a number of times you know, in our trips up there. Not like we were buds or anything like that, but. And um, so uh, be thankful for those who have uh, laid the foundations for all the rest of us who have come later. Uh, and uh, done what we can to uh, be witnesses to the Mormon people. Uh, okay, wasn't going to spend too much time on that, but ended up doing so because we started thinking about, you know, all sorts of things. Um, I don't know where Rich went, but um, he disappeared. So um, 
Oh, there he is. Okay. You, you, you couldn't even find yours, huh? Wow. That's, uh, that's very strange. Yeah, no. Um, I'll, I'll walk in there and walk out with it like uh, that fast. But anyway. <laughs> um, yesterday, or was the day before yesterday, whenever it was, um, when we saw um, this kind of thing, um, well, come on. Thank you. Took long enough. When we saw this kind of thing, um, no, uh, no worky. It is. Huh. Uh, that's not good. We should have tested this beforehand, huh? Um, because uh, I need to play some stuff, so. That's not a good thing at all. Um, evidently, you do not have my desktop any longer, huh? I have no idea what that means. Um, yeah, you're you're doing Windows, and um, we're not doing Windows here. Um, well, that's not good because everything I everything I have queued up for today uh, requires that this work, and this isn't working, and I don't know why it's not working. It's always worked before. Um, Rich has always been able to watch what I'm doing, and now he can't. So, Well, I'm mirroring everything. But now it's all, okay, all right, well, I have no idea what's going on or why anything changed. I didn't change anything. But there you go. Um, We all saw this, and uh, we had seen earlier in the Biden regime a similar thing had happened, but this was after the amazing experience of the United States of America signing a document that says to the God that was referred to by all the founding fathers, um, the God that was quoted from his scriptures by the Supreme Court and by, again, all the founding fathers. We don't want you. We hate you. We know exactly what you say is right and true and just and good. And we hate what's right and true and just and good. And we're going to call what you call an abomination good. And anyone who believes and takes a stand that was taken by every president prior to Barack Obama, and even Obama when he ran the first time, uh, we are going to... uh, identify all those people as bigots and as uh, people who did not fulfill the founding fathers, (laughs) which which of course it's just, it is so fantastically rebellious, but it's so, so fantastically deceived. It is so hypocritical. 
no one with a shred of intelligence can believe the idea that this had something to do with how the founders would have viewed this, what the founders would have done, that this is a fulfillment of... Now, now this is the progressivist vision, but the quote-unquote progressivist vision um, is, is utterly disconnected from the foundations that were provided for this nation in its founding documents and in the worldview out of which it came. And so here you have the, the building that represents the, the leadership of the executive branch lit up in colors specifically intended to promote sexual debauchery and perversion and saying, this is what we stand for. We stand for sexual debauchery and perversion. And so um, let me um, play a clip from the man who... uh, I know he's reading teleprompters. I know he doesn't know what day it is and where he is. I know the man is senile. But it really seemed to me, even though everyone's seen the clips where a number of years ago we saying we don't need to no, we don't need any uh, constitutional amendment protecting marriage, marriage between a man and woman. We all know this is such a joke. No one's thinking, you know, all the rest of that. So we we just recognize that politicians lie through their teeth and they they just adopt whatever the culture wants them to adopt to get power and money and things like that. And we know how compromised this man is. We know about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and we know about the Chinese. We know about the Ukrainians and and the whole nine yards. It's the the, the level of corruption and utter. There, there is not a shred of moral or ethical capital that this regime could possibly even possess. They just they have they got nothing. But still, this clip of the comments written by somebody that you know the people that are actually pulling the strings of the marionette. Um, this is their worldview. This is what they believe. So. Here, here are his comments um, in the most Im- important part of what he had to say as he profaned uh, marriage, uh, which he did by his signature. Excuse me, because they support LGBTQ ch- children and families, we have to speak out. We must stop the hate and violence like we just saw in Colorado Springs for a place of acceptance and celebration was targeted for violence and terror uh, by a transgender guy. Um, and it's not a place of celebration. It was a gay nightclub, um, which, again, the founding fathers would never have accepted, would, would never have even dreamed could be a reality in the United States of America. Um, but notice, again, the spin is always the same. It doesn't, you know, these are the same people that were saying that police officers were killed on January 6th. They're just going to keep repeating it. Truth, history, all that stuff is completely irrelevant to them. But but it's stop the hate. Stop the hate. It, it's like a, they know that through the public education system, they have produced a generation of people who do not think, they, they cannot think critically 
and they can be controlled by emotional buzzwords. And so all you have to do is say somebody's hating. And even if you're asking them to hate, they will hate as long as it will stop the hate. <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you create cowards. And that's what, that's what we have. We have, we have a generation of cowards that, that do not want to be held responsible for their own lives. They want to be coddled and taken care of by the government. And so all you got to do is say, we got to stop the hate. Oh, yes, President Biden. Yes, we must stop the hate by hating. <laughs> we need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children. We have to challenge those laws where the states are saying a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. And it's stupid, insane, evil, and absurd to allow men to compete with women in sports. It robs the women of their opportunities. It can, it can destroy their lives. Um, and the only way that's kind of moral insanity can survive is by never allowing the two sides to speak at the same place at the same time. We already know what the left does when that happens. They just start screaming. They start banging pots and pans and screaming and turn off all thought and, and, and debate. These people will not debate this subject. They will not. They can't. All the facts are against them. All the reasoning is against them. All they can do is try to get people to emote. And here is the emoter in chief. He's just been programmed today, drugged him up, got him, got him so he could talk. And he's emoting. And he's using all the buzzwords. And so all of these laws, which are common sense laws that represent what the United States believed and was about for its entire history. These are what this is what leftist revolutionaries do. We are we are destroying society but we're going to cover over our destroying of society through this kind of rhetoric. Uh, that's, that's what's coming from the United States government. Terrifying families and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. Criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. Again, pure absurdity from a senile old man being run by evil, evil younger people. That's not care. Destroying a female's body Full mastectomies is not care. It's not care. Calling that care is evil. It is an attack on language. Injecting poisonous chemicals into 10-year-olds' bodies is not care. It's murderous. That's the reality. That's truth. They can't deal with that. And so they had quite a group there, but you know who they invited? <laughs> a bunch of sexual perverts is what they invited. Drag queens that, that, that sexualize young children. And they're the ones clapping. Well, there you go. Here's the head of the government of the United States. How much farther can we possibly fall? The men of Sodom and Gomorrah would have blushed at this. The men of Sodom and Gomorrah would have been stunned. 
that anyone could be this perverted. So, you know, we keep hearing about owing an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. Give it time. Judgment will be fitting. We have to protect these children so they know they're loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. Um, you'll notice he was struggling to even read what was on the teleprompter at that point. I think the aviator sunglasses probably don't help with that. Um, that didn't make much sense, but, uh, but, but they're loved. And then something for themselves that he wasn't even sure what he was saying at that point. Folks, racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. There you go. There you go. Let's, let's connect them all together. We've, we've emptied, well, first of all, the constant repetition of the term racist has made it a utterly meaningless word. It means nothing. You can't define it. It has no substance to it. And so it's just whatever does not bow and scrape to the leftist agenda is racism, which means it's, it's nothing. It, it has no meaning. Um, and then you, then you have terms that just don't have any meaning at all. Transphobia. Transphobia. Homophobia. Uh, Anti-Semitism? Really? They're all connected? Really? If you actually believe what Jesus taught, that man is man and woman is woman, um, and you, you believe what he uh, taught regarding God's law, that homosexuality is a sin, uh, then that's connected to anti-Semitism and to racism. The, the moral and ethical bankruptcy of this kind of simplistic, stupid, childish rhetoric is almost, it's almost impossible to even come up with the proper terms. This, again, not even Pravda would have gone to this level. And, and they were known as liars. That the, the whole reason, Pravda means truth. That's the whole reason that they used the name. Everybody laughed at it, but but even they wouldn't go. Even they would recognize the the fact that what we have here is empty, airheaded political sloganeering that only thirty years ago would have resulted in utter disaster for this political party, but not any longer. Not any longer. But the antidote to hate is love. This law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms. And that's why this law matters to every single American, no matter who you are or who you love. This shouldn't be about conservative or liberal, red or blue. No, this is about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence, a promise rooted in a sacred and secular beliefs what the, the the declaration of independence was rooted in secular beliefs what again pure fantasy pure fantasy every single signer of the declaration of independence had they ever heard this man babble these things would have stood there with their mouths open going who is this pervert what is he talking about? 
You telling me this is the president? This is the person in the office that we created for George Washington? They'd have no idea what he's talking about. Nothing. Fulfilling some... This is... When rhetoric is so laughably absurd, so laughably fictional, it doesn't... It shouldn't accomplish anything. It is only because of the years and years and years of preparation of the younger generation who simply listen to it and are triggered by particular terminologies. They, they can't, they don't even stop to think, does any of this actually make sense? Is there any logical, rational reason I should believe any of this? Does this actually correlate to reality? Nope, not even thinking, but it doesn't matter. Makes me feel good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm virtue signaling. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's wonderful. Yeah. A promise that we're all created equal. A promise that we're all created equal. Which means love is love. That was one of the terms that was used. Love is love. Anybody who says love is love is a moral and ethical pygmy. Okay, you don't even you haven't even started to put together a semi meaningful system of morality and ethics. If you can go love is love. (laughs) Really? Oh. It would just a few years ago when we first started hearing that we went, oh, so a love of an adult for a child is love. Oh, we're not talking about that. Come on. Now it's everywhere. Now that's the plus. There's your plus. It's everywhere. That's what is being pr- promoted. Love is love, polyamory, polygamy, gay marriage, um, uh, pedophilia, uh, bestiality. Doesn't matter. Any form of sexual perversity is now considered the great good that the founders of America were actually promoting. And that's what the president of the United States is telling us. Love isn't love. Um, We all know that. And everyone in our society knew that up until just a few, um, well, really about a decade and a half ago at most, and really about a decade ago really, with a lot of this. Five years ago, (laughs) with some things. That's how fast it's been. But um, love, if it is not defined by an objectively protective definition, will destroy human life. Every Christian should be the very first person to recoil in horror at the phrase, love is love. Everyone. You know why? I'll tell you why. And you should already know. Every boy and girl in the audience, every homeschool kid should know why the phrase love is love is an absurdity that should be rejected by every thinking human being, Christian or not. Why? Love has to have a definition that is consistent 
with human existence and life. And the only people that can explain to you why humans exist the way they do are those that know the creator who made them. Now, men's religions in a general sense have gotten pretty close on a lot of things because look, there's God's, God's law is written upon our hearts. But especially Christians should recoil because the greatest example of love that we can point to is the cross. And why did the cross have to be the cross? Because the love of God to be to come to fruition in the lives of his people required that sin, evil, be dealt with and be dealt with in such a way as to honor God's holiness. The same God who is called holy, holy, holy is the God who is called love. God is love. And God is holy. And so the very idea that love is an amorphous, up to you, you get to love whatever you want idea is utterly destructive of what real love actually is, which is shown to us in the cross, in self-sacrifice, in holiness, in wrath. But today, these people, these moral pygmies, literally want us to believe that we can love anything we want so I can love my neighbor's wife or I can love my neighbor's young daughter or young son. It doesn't matter as long as it makes me feel good. You don't even know what love is if that's how you think. You have no concept of not even close. There can be no self-sacrifice in that kind of love. There can be no consistency, no discipline, no steadfastness, no covenant. This kind of immorality lowers man beneath the junkyard dog. It lowers man below the animals. Because secularism... Secularism does the same thing. Mankind's a cosmic accident. Ugly bags are mostly water, right? And how one bag of mostly water fizzes toward another bag of mostly water doesn't matter. Secular worldview, again, destructive of humanity, destructive of human flourishing, destructive of human society, human happiness, fulfillment, everything. So secularism is greatest enemy of the gospel it's ever been thought of. And so here, president, sacred and secular. (laughs) It is so absurd, it's hard to even know how to take it apart. And we all can, we all sensed it. We, I didn't want to watch it because I knew what, I knew what was going to happen. These, these, these leftists who are, who've destroyed everything that's good and right in our heritage, rejoicing 
I did ask you know, when that picture came out, I did say paging evangelicals for Biden, paging evangelicals for Biden. Oh, no answer. I think they left the country as well. They should. Um, yeah, right. So it's one thing to be able to identify the obvious absurdity of what's happening in our country today. But it's another thing, um, honestly, to say to ourselves, we have to be the ones, when it all comes apart, and it's going to come apart, a society based upon this kind of gobbledygook, philosophical, moral, ethical gobbledygook, cannot stand. It cannot stand. It's going to come apart, and we have to be the ones to be able to dig out of the rubble and say, this is why it happened. This is how you can keep it from happening again. This is the direction we have to go. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take for all the walls to fall in. Rich and I were talking before the program. You know, the economy collapses and man, you're going to have riots in the streets. You have a lot of people who are going to be going, hey, anybody who can give me a semblance of peace and security, give me a little bit of food, a little bit of electricity. We'll give you everything else. You can, you can run our lives, utter totalitarianism. We need to be telling people, that's not the way to go. You may be so desperate you're willing to go that direction, but you need to know that's the way to even worse suffering. It'll only get worse if you go that direction. There, there's only one way out of this mess. And it's the way that you've been taught to hate. You have to change hearts to be able to change that direction. So. Then in the midst of all that, good old Phil Vischer came, came back along. Did you see this? Heard about it, huh? Yeah, Phil Vischer wants us all to know he, he still believes in covenant of marriage and all the rest of that kind of fun stuff. Um, the, the progressivists who are specifically intent upon seeking to undercut the conservative church by pretending um, solidarity on certain issues. They've been around for a long time. They've been amongst us for a long time. And they will always talk about, well, I, I, I you know, it's, it's like all the Democrats, all the Roman Catholic Democrats <laughs> um, who say, well, personally, I believe the church is teaching here, but I can't force that on anybody else. Well, we, we've got the same kind of people. And Phil Vischer, the creator of the VeggieTales series, uh, has a, uh, a uh, webcast. And he uh, addressed some of these issues. Uh, I am hitting expand. I'm hitting, and it's not going to do it for me. So... Well, how about trying this? Okay, good enough. Here's uh, here's Phil Vischer uh, 
giving us a lesson in in how you subvert Christian ethical and moral teaching while pretending that you're not actually subverting uh, moral teaching. Genuinely conservative can last, at least not for long. How do we know if that's not a good thing? How do we know what is and isn't good to conserve? If, if, our, only, if our only value is conservation of what Russell Kirk called the permanent things, and now who gets to decide what are the permanent things? Where does that come from? Because exactly. for a hundred uh, years, what conservatives fought to conserve in America was racial hierarchy. That was the number one thing conservatives were fighting to conserve because that was a permanent thing, because that was God established, because that was in the Bible, because the one thing that all Confederate theologians agreed on in 1865 was that the Bible was on their side. It was clear the Bible does not have any problem with slavery. So we are trying to conserve the permanent things. Slavery has always been a permanent thing in history. These northern Yankees who don't know how to read the Bible are trying to take away our way of life, and we must conserve it. So now we say, oh, yeah, 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 but they were wrong. Oh, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't one of the permanent things. Okay, so why were they wrong? Why were they wrong? Is it true that the Bible addresses the subject of slavery? It certainly does. Uh, does the Bible um, uh, limit slavery amongst the Hebrew people? Yes. Did it allow it? Yes, it did. Uh, was slavery different back then than it was in the American South? Yes. Um, chattel slavery different than um, uh, war slavery? Yes. These these are all obvious things. Well, okay. <laughs> Silly me. Obvious things. How many Christians pretend to address this subject of slavery in the Bible, and they've never read Leviticus. They've never read all of Deuteronomy. They haven't read all of the historical books of the Old Testament, even know how any of this function. Yeah, okay. If you haven't, and I don't just mean you read through once in your, you know, we're all, everybody's doing their through the year thing, starting in a couple weeks, right? Right. Um, and I don't mean that, that, I don't even mean that. I mean, have spent some serious time looking at a serious amount of text and doing some serious background to understand what had happened. Maybe even read a few books. They are out there. There's, there's plenty of them out there. There really are. Anyway, the Bible does address subject of slavery in all sorts of different contexts. Amongst God's people in the Old Testament, their own experience of slavery, Egypt. And in the New Testament, where slavery was a part of the Roman Empire, it came in lock, stock, and barrel from the Greeks. It was actually improved a little bit by the Romans. Uh, the, the Greek form was really bad. Um, but you had slave owners and slaves in the church. That's a reality. You cannot close your mind to that. That is a category. Category? Relationship of slaves and slave owners, economic systems, ancient world, very, very different than where we are today. Um, That's one category. For Phil Vischer, that's the same category as Jesus saying, 
from the beginning, God created them male and female, and then giving an inspired interpretation of Genesis 1 and 2 as to the permanence of heterosexual, one man, one woman marriage. You see, the one thing progressivists cannot do is think categorically. They always create confusion. And here you have a situation where a man who claims to be representing a biblical worldview cannot tell the difference between the category of foundational, creative definition of male and female and what marriage is, what a mother is, what a father is, what a husband is, what a wife is, what a son is, what a daughter is. He can't tell the difference between that foundational, creative category and the later discussion of how to deal with the issue, and it's primarily an economic issue in the Old Testament, of slavery. Can't tell the difference. And so that's when he, that's how he can go off here, talk about Confederate theologians. You know what, you know what that is? That again is a trigger mechanism to stop thinking. The trigger mechanism to stop thinking. You're not, you're supposed to go, oh, well, if anybody in the South ever believed that, then it must be wrong just because they were in the South. That cannot be defended by any rational person. It's illogical. It's irrational on every level, let alone a biblical level. So, so you just trigger people. That way they won't go. But, but Phil, <laughs> there's, there's such a foundation. Jesus himself said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And God defined what marriage is. This is that's creation. That's, that's the first establishment of of any of any type of covenantal relationship amongst human beings you can't get more basic than this you're confusing categories phil i'll keep them from doing that by triggering them works real well works real well um more and more as i as i age i realize when i look back i am so thankful that i lived in phoenix and there was only one graduate school of theology in Phoenix when I needed to go to graduate school in theology in Phoenix. It was Fuller Theological Seminary because I had to listen to this kind of stuff. And I learned it well. I learned it well because I learned a lot from people way to my left. Now, they weren't out, they weren't out of that, in the ozone yet at that level. But I am so thankful because I see young people and they're, they're just taken in by this stuff. They're taken in by it. They just don't seem to recognize the incapacity of this worldview to maintain any kind of meaningful worldview order. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's Phil Vischer. And there's going to be more. You don't just respond to Phil Vischer by just dismissal. You have to take apart what he's saying. You have to, you have to demonstrate where he's completely missing it because he is he's a smart guy and but you don't accomplish anything if you don't 
demonstrate that. All right, one last thing before we wrap up the program, and this is going to make sure that we will not even pretend to even try to put it on the other places of distribution. Because we we started saying, you know, there's some real problems here. In, uh, I started becoming concerned in, I think, November of 2020 when I first started reading up on the technology of the vaccines that were being rolled out. It may have been October. And the stuff I was reading was really, really concerning. And then as stuff started rolling out, we're like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Um, you know, have you, have you heard, have you heard morticians talking about how they're seeing weird stuff going on? And, and, you know, and of course, all that stuff, any reference to it was immediately shut down by Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, Google, the government. And now we know the government itself was meeting with all of these people saying, we don't want this said, we don't want this said, we don't want this news out there, we don't want that article. We, they, pure governmental censorship on a global level, global level. That's why they were so absolutely terrified of Elon Musk buying Twitter, that he might find this stuff and might reveal it, which is exactly what he's done. Um, this morning, this morning, 1.30 a.m., um, headline, people died from mRNA vaccine-damaged hearts. New peer-reviewed German study provides direct evidence by Tyler Durden. Authored by Jennifer, Jennifer Margulis and Joe Wang via the Epic Times. And uh, this one happened into my feed from another source. But anyway, I'm only going to give you the, the, the summary. There's much more in-depth information on it. It was fascinating. Medical pathologists from Heidelberg University Hospital in Heidelberg, Germany, have published direct evidence showing how people found dead after mRNA vaccination died. As this team of six scientists explore in their study, these mRNA-vaccinated patients suffered from heart damage because their hearts were attacked by their own immune cells. This autoimmune attack on their own heart cells then leads to their damaged hearts beating so many times per second that once the tachycardia unexpectedly started, they died in minutes. Or died suddenly? Have you seen it? I have. Um... You need to see it. The film died suddenly. Just watch it for yourself. Um, I know something about tachycardia. <laughs> I know something about tachycardia. Thankfully, not ventral tachycardia. Uh, I suffer from supraatrial tachycardia, which a lot of men my age do. And I had a failed cardiac ablation, which was supposed to fix it, but I fixed the ablation, unfortunately. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Um, anyway, I do know what it feels like to have your heart. Um, my heart has, un- in superatrial tachycardia, beat at over 255 beats per minute. That's four beats per second. And the the one time I know that happened, um, thankfully, 
I was um, a long, you know, I've been a long distance cyclist for many, many years. And so my heart was at the time and still is, but not obviously I'm older now, but my heart was at the time extremely um, healthy. And so I was able to survive the incident. But uh, the study that was, uh, that has come to, uh, come to light and been published uh, demonstrated how these vaccines uh, produced damage in the cells of the heart that then creates this, um, not even an actual beating, but just a fluttering, which doesn't actually pump blood. And that's why death happens literally within a matter of seconds. You've seen the videos of the people that just all of a sudden, you know, they're looking up and then just, they're gone, uh, just die. And the vast majority of these people, autopsies are not performed. Um, if they were, I, I, I have a, I, my personal feeling is that if this kind of information will be known in heaven, I, I don't know that it will. Certainly is known to God. Um, my personal feeling is that in the long run, far more people will die from complications from the vaccines than would have ever died from COVID itself. And so, you know, if we lived in a world where people cared about truth, that would be something that would be being examined very, 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 very carefully. And we, we certainly have the technology. We probably could figure that out. But we live in a world filled with people who hate God and love money. And Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, uh, AstraZeneca, we are talking over the past couple of years, not billions or tens of billions but hundreds of billions and, and possibly even trillions of dollars. And if people will get bumped off for, for 50,000, what will you do for a trillion? Almost anything. Almost anything. You will cover up anything. You will destroy information. You will hide anything. You will censor. You will do anything whatsoever. So I just, I just look at, my situation, older man, I, I enter, and by the way, my son-in-law made sure that I realized this. I actually realized at the end of the last program that when I said, oh, wait a minute, I'm not sure I'm going into my seventh decade. Yes, I am going into my seventh decade on Saturday. Um, and as soon as I said that and we closed the program, you remember I said, nah, no, no, that's all right. And then 30 seconds later, my phone goes off and it's my son-in-law. Correcting me, thank you very much, son-in-law, um, who doesn't like Christmas. So why did I get you something really nice for Christmas? I don't know. Actually, I got you a couple nice things for Christmas. Come to think of it, hmm. but you don't like Christmas. Oh well. Anyway, um, I am entering my seventh decade on Saturday, and I am a heart patient. There is that much. See this? That's a zero. That's supposed to be a zero. There is that much clinical study of the impact of these vaccines on my kind of heart condition. Zero. Do you think any doctor 
any CVS, any Walgreens that I had gone to would have not given me the vaccines. Would have even asked. No, of course not. Of course not. They just, they wanted to get as many of them out there as they could. How about hospitals? You start looking at all the money that flowed into hospitals and for what reasons. And you realize that the pharma medical complex has been completely compromised by an influx of hundreds of billions of dollars. So um, myocarditis, um, the article, by the way, was titled Autopsy-Based Histopathological Characterization of Myocarditis After Anti-SARS-CoV-2 Vaccination was published on November 27, 2022, so just a few weeks ago, in the Clinical Research in Cardiology, the official journal of the German Cardiac Society. The research team autopsied 25 victims of different ages who were found dead at home within 28 days of vaccination. They looked at their heart tissue under the microscope to find out why these people died of cardiac rhythmic disruption when they had no apparent underlying heart disease. In the author's own words, our findings establish the histological phenotype of lethal vaccination-associated myocarditis. May I say that again? Lethal vaccination-associated myocarditis. That's a quote from a peer-reviewed German study. And it will not stop the Canadian government or the United States government from demanding vaccination. It won't do it. It won't. It won't. It's because they're doing it for completely other reasons. Whether you die or not is not their concern. Is not their concern. I wasn't very long ago. We had folks used to support this ministry. Stop supporting it because we were we were we were conspiracy theorists. Yes, I know. I wonder if those folks will read this peer-reviewed study. And go, okay, you were right to have concerns. We were wrong to question it. Doesn't seem to be happening much. Doesn't seem to be happening much. But anyway. All right. Uh, So, you know, next week should probably be fairly normal. I mean, I've got some programs to do and things like that uh, outside of the dividing line. But, you know, Christmas is until Sunday. And so... um, there you go. So I've got a couple of items. I'm sorry? I have a couple of items. Uh-oh. Uh, item number one, when you uh, played uh, Big Joe and his uh, big speech there, um, it, it occurred to me that I'm old enough to remember, I think, the first time I heard someone advocating what he was saying, and it was the first time that I had ever heard of the North American Man-Boy Love, Love Association, Association. Yep. which... By these guys' standards, they, they've they've accomplished normalizing that. They have. Uh, that is now a normal thing, and they're so far off the 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 cliff of bizarre that now 
Nambla looks somewhat. You didn't know. You didn't know that the founders had uh, drag queens visiting uh, during the writing of the Declaration. Yeah, okay. Is that why they wore the white wigs? No, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. why they did. Yeah. No, they did not do that. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, they have taken up the mantle yep. of the North American Man Boy Love Association, folks. You really need to think about what that means. Yeah. Uh, then on a um, year end note, which yes. I always do this time of year. Um, when folks you donate to us by check, uh, I, I I send receipts out to you in email, unless I don't have your email address. And so, if you've been donating to us, we thank you very much, um, and we thank you for donating by check. But if you've not been getting receipts from me through the Intuit system, uh, QuickBooks is what we use. Uh, then you need to uh, email me your email address, and that is rpierce, P-I-E-R-C-E, at A-O-M-I-N dot org. I need to know that so that I can send your uh, receipt out uh, first part of next year, which is just a stone's throw away. It so is. That's uh, that's that's all I have for now. I thought you were going to say a snowball's throw away, but then I realized we're in Phoenix. So we're in Phoenix. Yeah, that would uh, that would be uh, zero. It escape. would melt. It would melt before it hit the yeah. ground. Yeah, yeah. Zero escape and snow don't get along. Yeah. Nope. No, no. Yes, uh, and I, I had thought about doing this, and you know we're just doing it at the end of the program. Um, we're you're getting a lot of year-end giving requests, and you haven't gotten that from us um we have always i've just you know i've explained that i there was a program that i used to listen to a lot when i was a very young apologist of a very very well-known apologist um who isn't well known anymore um and i just i just developed this detestation of the fact that a quarter of the program was taken up raising funds. A quarter of the program was taken up making you feel guilty if you didn't give. And 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 the whole world was going to come apart if you didn't give to this, this particular ministry because they were the only ones doing what they were doing. So we just never do that. Um, at the same time, uh, we have never sought to become a big, huge, you know, we, we, we don't buy buildings. We rent. Uh, our small office spaces here from a, a church. Um, we've we've chosen not to go that direction because when you get big donors, you get big strings with the donations. And I've always said I'm just not smart enough to run the mental uh, filters to go. Okay, if I say this, then that might offend that big giver, and if I say this, that might offend that. I'm not smart enough to do that. If you give this ministry, we we go, hey, you you already know who we are. You already know what we believe. You already know what we're doing. And I don't run any of those filters. Uh, I can't. Like I said, I'm just not smart enough to do it. What that means is we are supported completely by just regular folks. We don't have big, huge donors that make massive donations that you know just just take care of everything it's regular folks and so we thank all of you when i when i 
when I go on these uh, journeys, when I go on these trips, and I can pull into Love's Travel Stop, and uh, we've gotten pretty good uh, bringing something that's 13 feet tall and 47 feet long uh, to the proper place in the automobile uh, gas gas things, because that's where I have to go. Um, and I, I can get out, and I can get out the Alpha and Omega credit card and fill up that thirsty 36-gallon tank. Um, that's because you make that possible. You, you, you made it possible um, for us to have the unit, to be doing these things, to be doing this program, uh, to be addressing the subjects we do. And the only thing I would say to toot our own horn, if you want to toot our own horn, is we've remained pretty consistent down through the years. You know what you're going to get here. And we've stayed focused on the main things and the plain things and the important things. And we actually address some issues and some topics in a way that just there's just nobody else that can address the, the range of things that, that we do in regards to scriptural accuracy, canonicity, things like that. Um, you're just not going to find that very many places. And we've been doing it as of next year for 40 years. So there's always the new kid on the block. But are they going to be there five years from now, 10 years from now? That's the question. And so we don't, we don't even, I, I think somewhere in the computer someplace, we had a commercial someplace from maybe 2005 or something about supporting the ministry, but we just almost never talk about it. So here at the end of the year, I'm just, I'm just letting you know we don't have the big donors. We don't have some source of information that uh, finances keeps things going. It's completely you guys. And it's primarily small donations that does it. And I'm so thankful for that because I've seen what's, what has happened. When people have, it just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and the pressures become more and more and more to have to maintain that massive amount of income. And it can have really bad results. And like I said, the Lord has just protected us from ourselves <laughs> and kept us nice and small and humble. Um, and you're a part of that. So um, as you're looking at year of end, end giving, keep us in mind, you know, if the dividing line is something that you go, you know what? Um, they may not be the fanciest people, and I just can't stand those sweaters. But you know what? When it comes to when it comes to where I can go to really get consistent, foundational, exegetically sound material on a wide range of topics, yeah, I, I want to keep the dividing line around for another year. <laughs> so keep that in mind as as you're thinking. Um, and we just thank everybody that has uh, done so much uh, over this past year. We, I, we live in Phoenix. We have the highest inflation rate in the United States, uh, still at 12%. So I get it. Uh, I get it. We, we fully understand. And you never, ever support an external ministry before you support your own church. Get that too. Um, but it's, it's the end of the year. And so everybody else is talking about it, So I thought I'd just mention in passing 
that's how we're that's how we're supported and we appreciate everybody who has done that for years and years and years so thank you very much for watching the dividing line today we will see you next week god bless